you have your Bibles, turn to back to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll finish our series on the family. I almost turned this over to Brother Adam to preach tonight, and I said, well, I'm going to finish this because everybody's getting tired of their family. I mean, getting tired of hearing about the family. And uh, I hope you're not getting tired of your family. But um, we appreciate what's happening up in Mattoon, Illinois. And I was just recently up there preaching the uh, family conference, and uh, God laid on my heart to come back home and preach on the family that week. So um, I hope that you've got something out of the last few weeks. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, not the whole chapter again, and emphasize a phrase in verse 4, and then I want you to notice verse 20, and then uh, we'll end the chapter with a few verses, uh, verses 27 through the end of the chapter. I want to preach on the ministry of thanksgiving. You know, I believe with all my heart that the most dangerous thing you can do is take each other for granted as a couple. And uh, I think one of the greatest harms in America today is when we take for granted our parents. And we just sort of take for granted their sacrifice and their hard work and, and all they've done to invest in your life. And I believe that when you do have a heart that's not thankful, it's fertile ground for many sins. And I believe one of the greatest ways to, um, to defeat Satan is praise God. And I'm not just saying this flippant, charismatic praise stuff. I'm talking about praising the Lord anyhow and praising Him no matter what and praising Him with thanksgiving in your heart, even praying that way. Uh, God honors faith and God honors right thinking. But most of all, He honors faith. And I believe that prayers and praise should be uh, an expression of faith in the living God that He's able and that He is good no matter what. So let's stay in all the Word of God, and let's read verses 1 through 4. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. You'll never be good parents until you're good children. In other words, you've got to be a follower before you can be a leader. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and given Himself for us an offering, a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Starts out with worship. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness let it not be named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking and jet nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Skip down to verse 20. It says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 27, it says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So all men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as, God, as the Lord the church. For we are members of the body of his flesh and of his bones, and for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good singing. Thank you, Brother Jared, uh, filling in. Uh, for his father-in-law, and thank you, dear God, for uh, Brother Jason and the choir, and 
all the good music. Thank you for the orchestra. Lord, we don't take for granted our good organists and pianists and God, just the, the objects of praise. God, the instruments of praise that you use uh, every service in this place with Christ honoring music. God, I thank you, Lord, that it points to you and not to celebrities, not to our own talent, but God, to your faithfulness. And Lord, I thank you for that song in particular, that you're worthy to be praised. And God, we pray, God, that you'd never help, never let us have a heart that goes cold and, and selfish and indifferent towards thee and towards our mate and towards our children and towards our parents. God, please help us to realize the powerful ministry of thanksgiving. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I really believe that even a smile can be a praise to God. I believe we ought to be happy folks. I believe we ought to be uh, uh, people that are happy with our mates. Amen. Uh, I believe a sad wife is a public rebuke to a husband. All you wives begin to smile, please. Amen. A sad wife is a public rebuke to her. A sad child is a public rebuke to a father or mother. And I believe we ought to be happy in the Lord and happy in our families. We ought to appreciate what God is doing, what God has done. And I believe with all my heart, the devil wants to rob you of the joy of your salvation and the joy of his presence. And folks, the Bible says that when you're filled with the Spirit of God, the first thing is melody in your heart to the Lord. That means you're in harmony with God and it comes out with hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart. But then the second attribute of uh, fruit of the being filled with the Spirit of God is giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe when you're filled with the Spirit of God that you're filled with the knowledge of God's blessings. That God's blessed you. You know, I can't uh, imagine a better pastor's wife than my wife. I've never been married before don't, and I don't plan on getting married again. Um, uh, you know, I really... Uh, think that uh, this is my last wife, amen. And uh, but I'll say this, friend. Uh, I love. I, I love. Uh, I, I thought of a joke, but I don't. I won't tell it. So I'll get in trouble when I get home. But I love my wife. I appreciate my wife. What you shake your head for? I really love my wife. I think that she is the greatest gift to this to to me that it could possibly be given, except salvation. She's an encourager, and. Uh, I, I can't imagine uh, being without her. I really can't. And I thank God for her. And, uh, you know, I want to say that publicly. And I believe you ought to say that often about your wife and about your husband, about your children. You know, we, we take for granted God's blessings. And a lot of times we don't really appreciate them till they're gone, till we don't have them anymore. And, folks, that's a sad commentary in life is that we take for granted God's blessing, and I believe that thanksgiving will keep us focused. I want you to look at verse 4. It says, but rather giving thanks. But what's the rather after? Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are, or, or which, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And the preceding verse says, fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, uh, let it not be once named among you, neither give filthiness, foolish talking, nor jesting, but rather giving thanks. Now, folks, there's amazing what praising can do. And I believe with all my heart that thanksgiving will keep you 
and guard you from some terrible sins in your life. Because I believe thanksgiving is an attitude of faith, of lifting God high and knowing God and loving God and appreciating God. The Bible says in verse 29 that we ought to nourish and cherish our, our, our wife, husbands. And cherish means that, it's, uh, that we count her precious. There's nobody like her. That we uh, count her as a gift from God. And that we nourish her. And that means we, we lead her spiritually. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Then it goes on to say that the wife should reverence her husband. Now folks, that word is, it just simply means that you respect him as God's hand over you. That God has placed him as your spiritual leader. And that's a great admonition for us to be spiritual leaders. But I want to just uh, give you three things real quick on what Thanksgiving will do. Number one, it will keep you focused. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 39, and I want you to look at the life of Joseph for a second. There's nothing negative ever mentioned about Joseph in the Bible. He's a perfect type of, now I know he wasn't perfect, but he is a perfect type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the greatest types that he is, and one of the greatest pictures that I think he portrays about Christ is, is, God, is Christ's faithfulness. His faithfulness. He never quit. He was always faithful. And I believe that one of the reasons that Joseph was faithful, according to Genesis chapter 39, was because he was thankful. I believe he also was focused on what God was doing in his life and that he knew there was a greater purpose than all the junk that he was going through. And when Potiphar's wife attacked him day by day, that's the nature of uh, temptation, I want you to notice how he defended against the onslaught of Satan. Look at verse 4, Genesis 39. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put in his hand. That's Potiphar making him steward of his house. He was grateful and thankful for that. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in his field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person, well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. Now listen to his defense. But he refused. And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in this house. And he has committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me. But, but thee, because thou art his wife, praise God. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I want you to notice that thanksgiving was one of the greatest defense for temptation that, that was in Joseph's heart. He appreciated that God had entrusted him with this household, that God had given him everything but Potiphar's wife <clears throat> and he was appreciative enough to say hey listen I'm not going to low rate his trust 
I'm not going <clears> to <throat> slosh through all the blessings of my master and commit this great sin. So what, what happened? <clears throat> it says, And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. The devil never gives up. That he hearkened not unto her to lie with her, nor be with her. And it came to pass about the time when Joseph went into the house to do his business, there was none of the men of the house there within. And she called him by his garment and said, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and got him out. He had tennis shoes, sanctification, as I often say. He got up and ran. You say, he was chicken. No, he was brave. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. It takes a bigger man to run from temptation than it does to give in to it. Amen? It takes more character. But I want to tell you what it really takes. It takes more grace. By the grace of God, you're still married. By the grace of God, you're still pure, teenagers. By the grace of God, you ought to remain that way because God has entrusted you with life. God has entrusted you with a wife, man. God's entrusted you with a husband. God's entrusted you with children. And I believe that we ought to be faithful in light of His blessings. The goodness of God draweth man to repentance. And folks, we ought to be so thankful <clears throat> that uh, we realize the purpose of God. And, the, and we, understand, we understand that God has entrusted us with a high and holy calling to not walk as those that are ungodly and, and uh, uh, foolish talking and jesting and, and covetousness and fornication and uncleanliness, but rather giving of thanks. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Thanks will keep you focused. Thanks will keep you focused on the person of God, the plan of God, and the power of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you get to being an ingrate, you're, putting, uh, you're, putting, you're bringing down your guard. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 5 about the sin of adultery, that you ought to keep the water fresh at home, the water stirred up in the system of your own home, and to appreciate the wife of your youth, and have an affair in your home not outside your home. Amen? And folks, the word thanks, the Greek word uh, the, the, is grace. It means count your blessings. Uh, the Anglo-Saxon word of thanks is think. And you know, uh, uh, we Southerners, we already got that down. We, uh, we, instead of saying, I was thinking, we, uh, thinking, we say we're thinking. Amen? I believe that in your thinking, you ought to be thinking. Amen? I think you ought to be thinking how good God has been to you and that gives you thanksgiving. You need to do some things um, on purpose to think about God. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to praise Him every day. You need to sing songs every day that are Christ-honoring and scriptural songs. Amen? This junk of the world will pollute your mind. If you think you can listen to rock and roll music and country music all week and come in here and get blessed by this music, you will not. I mean, you can't turn channels. There needs to be a daily intake of good, wholesome, godly music. Amen? Garbage in, garbage out. As a man thinketh, so is he. But I want to tell you something, friend. Joseph was praising his master's plan. He was not only praising his master's plan, Potiphar, but he was praising the master's plan. Turn over to Genesis. Uh, no, turn to Genesis. Turn over. It sounds like you're about to go to sleep. And I apologize for being so warm this morning. I did lose three of you. But look at this. The Bible says in Proverbs 42, excuse me, 45, excuse me, 45, Joseph said to his brethren, 
to come near to him, and they thought they were, it was the death sentence for them. And Joseph was now the prime minister. He was a prisoner. He was in the pit. He was Potiphar's servant. Now, uh, now he's prime minister. And the Bible says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. He's talking to his brothers now that sold him. Genesis 45, verse 5. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath he, the famine been in the land, and yet there is five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God, listen to this now, and God sent me before you to preserve you a prosperity in that the earth and to save your lives by the great deliverance. And so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to the Pharaoh. And a lord of all the house and the ruler throughout all the land of the Egypt. Folks, he said, but God. But God sent me. But God made me. And folks, then he ends the, uh, the whole uh, book when they really thought they were going to be executed because the father, uh, Joseph's father had died and he knew their, their days were over and they were trembling. And he says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to good, to bring to passes this day to save much people alive. He said, God, you meant it, you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it to good. Now, folks, that's a great attitude. That's an attitude of praise for His purpose. That's the great attitude of the providence of God. You know, a lot of times we feel deprived. A lot of times we feel like our prayers are not answered. I'm going to tell you something. God's got a big plan. And we, he's got a big picture. And he wants us to get in that. And we need us not to get bitter and bicker and complain. But he wants us to praise him anyway and thank God that God knows best. When I was a little boy, I used to watch a black and white movie called uh, Father Knows Best. How many remember that? None of y'all remember that, do you? Some, a couple of, thank God some of you watch decent TV. Amen. It's like it's like Barney Fife and and uh, and uh, uh, and Andy Griffin. Thank you. Yes, Amen. And that's good. That's good programming. But I wouldn't take it as Sunday school curriculum like some churches have. But I want you to know this, folks. They would always Jane would come to Father, and the whole title of the message, the whole title of the message, the whole title of the program was Father Knows Best. And I want to tell you something. He knew best. Amen. He knew so best they had twin beds in their bedroom. Praise God. She was in one, he was in another. Now that's not exactly the theme of TV. Say amen. God help us. But I'll tell you something, folks. The Father knows best. And you know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's ahead. But I guarantee you, God knows. Say amen. I like that verse in Psalms 18 too that says that, you're, that God's our high tower. And I'm probably taking this out of context but I believe that could be referred to he's in the control tower. Amen. When we're so fogged in and we can't even see the runway, God's up there controlling it all. Amen. I, I thank God for that. Amen. i tell you what, I was um, uh, shocked the other uh, day I flew to somewhere on vacation, yes, to be with Mark and Amy uh, for uh, five days, and I didn't want to drive 14 hours. And Thank God I didn't. Because I'd be telling my wife all the way down there how to drive. <laughs> but... That'd be bad on a marriage, amen, 14 hours. But I remember when I, when I took off, Brother Randy, I looked to the right, and there was a plane right there taking off in the same direction. 
And I thought, my word, I hope somebody knows he's over there and he don't take a sudden left. So you know what I did? I shut the little blind on my window and I started praying to God, Lord, help us. You know, and I want to tell you something. There is, a, there is God in the high tower, amen? I'll never forget when I was in uh, Claxton, Georgia, we had twins in our, in our congregation. One of them became our youth pastor for six weeks, uh, six weeks, six months until he discovered he wasn't called to preach or called to be in the ministry. And he got out of it. And I advised him to get out of it if you're not called. But I remember uh, uh, Sammy was um, uh, going home from... Um, Bible study on a Tuesday morning after he'd worked all night at Baxley Nuclear Plant and he got sleepy and he went to sleep and I remember they had twin Novas. He had a, he had a blue one and I think Danny who worked here had a red one. They had twin Novas. His dad, their daddy was real rich. Uh, worked in air conditioning in South Georgia. That, that'll make you rich. Amen. And, uh, and, and uh, he went off the road and the, uh, the uh, couple, the elderly couple was going to Virginia. They went off the road and they met uh, head on, killed both of them and snapped Danny's neck, broke his neck, and he died. And I preached his funeral, and I preached that text, Psalms 18.2, God's in the high tower. I couldn't imagine what good was going to come out of this, but I preached, and the whole, they were star athletes. One was a right end, the other one was a left end at Pinewood Christian Academy, star athletes. And the whole school was there. And I want to tell you what happened. At that funeral, I believe 10 to 12, maybe, maybe it was 15 young people that were in a Christian school got saved at their funeral. And I said, well, maybe that's why God allowed this. Maybe there's no other way they get saved. But then the next night, or maybe it was um, a couple of nights afterwards, our pastor's son, Brother Paul Forsythe's son, Paul Jr., came up to his daddy and said, Daddy, this is embarrassing. I know I'm your son. And I know I'm leader in this church, but I'm really not saved. And the preacher's son got saved. Now I want to tell you something. All things do work together. And God's got a big purpose. And God's looking over all this stuff we're going through. And sometimes we're just thinking this is the worst thing in the world. When we ought to be thinking that God has a plan and that God has a purpose. And God's going to have his name magnified and be uh, prominent, but not even prominent, but preeminent through all the trials that we go through. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and call according to purpose. Then Thanksgiving not only keeps us focused, but it keeps us faithful. Look at um, uh, Genesis chapter 39. As I've already read it. It says in verse 8 and 9 that he, that he said, how can, I, how, can I, how can I give in to this sin? My master, your husband, has blessed me. Chapter 39, verse 8. And, and, and God has committed to me this trust. And so he gives thanks unto God for all the trust that God's given him. Even being around Potiphar's wife and what she was trying to do. Folks, listen. Every man ought to be thankful for his wife. You ought to be so thankful that it keeps you faithful. And folks, if you're not thankful, you will probably not be thankful because thankfulness breeds faithfulness. If you allow bickering and discontentment and you dare take each other for granted, the devil knows your guard's down and he'll set up scenarios, he'll set up situations. He'll have the fantasy of affair come your way. 
And you can ruin your marriage and ruin your life and ruin the ch your children's life in one night of sin. Ephesians 4.27 says, uh, let's go back up to Ephesians chapter 4. It says in verse 27, it says, neither give place to the devil. Now folks, the ver verse 26 says, now don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. I'm going to tell you something, it's a dangerous thing in a marriage to become bitter at your mate. It's a dangerous thing in your marriage to just become uh, one that takes for granted your mate. And the devil will set up in a scenario, he'll set up uh, a situation because of discontentment and unfaithfulness to get, he'll, get a, he'll get a place in your life. Look at verse 27. It says, and give no place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. And I believe that word place means jurisdiction. If you give the devil an inch, he'll take a, he'll take a mile. And I want to tell you something, folks. If you give him a foothold, he'll set up a kingdom. And he'll have a jurisdiction in your life. And I want to tell you something. The sin of ungratefulness, the sin of not being thankful, is a foothold of Satan. I'm saying this, and I want to say it clear, friend. Once you start taking God for granted, the devil will have a heyday in your life. Once you start taking each other for granted, once you start taking your parents for granted, your children for granted. Folks, listen, it's a sin that breeds many sins. That's why in Ephesians 4 it says, um, but rather giving thanks. That's why it's an evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God that you give thanks always for all things. If you're finding fault with the church, you're finding fault with this preacher. You're finding fault with your job. You will find a way out. Every time. If you just keep on finding fault, you'll find a way out. Folks, what we need to do is find the blessings. We need to count them one by one. Hey, stop counting sheep and start counting your blessings. If you can't go to sleep, the devil will put you to sleep just so you won't count more blessings. Amen. Don't count sheep. Count blessings. Or count on the shepherd. Folks, finding fault, ungrateful heart is fertile soil where sin will thrive. Joseph was able to withstand the forces of evil because he had a thankful heart. Let me just give you a few illustrations in closing. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21. How many love to study the Bible? Say amen. How many have your Bible with you? I tell you what, you really trust me if you don't bring your Bible. You really trust me. I'd check out everything I said. I'd circle it twice and I'd preach it to my wife when I got home. No, not really. Folks, Romans 1.21, look at this. The Bible says this. This is amazing. This is talking about being a reprobate mind and, and, uh, and the last day's attitude of, of worship and entertainment. The Bible says because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were, what? Thankful. But because, of, because they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now listen to this. And changed the glory of uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man uh, and birds and four-footed four beasts and creeping things. They became idolaters. Listen to verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served 
the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause man, God gave them up into vile affection. For even their women did change their natural use into which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of woman burned in their lust towards one another. Men with men working that which is unseemly receiving in themselves that recompense of error which was meat. And even as they, they, they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Folks, where did it start? It starts right in the midst of describing uh, this uh, uh, abomination of same-sex marriage and same-sex attraction with unthankfulness. You know, men, you ought to thank God you're a man. You surely shouldn't want to be a woman. God help you. I don't even wear pink ties. But I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, we, ought to, we, ought to be a, we, ought to be, we ought to be thankful the way God made us. And He is our Creator. We ought to enter His courts with thanksgiving and know that He is God. And it is He that has made us, not we ourselves. And now they're trying to remake themselves. And what an abomination. What a reprobation that is. It says, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceitful, um, uh, malignancy, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, uh, uh, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Right in the middle of that. Without understanding covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and merciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Folks, that means we're entertained by sin. Folks, I want to tell you something. We ought not be entertained by sin. We ought to be, in, we ought to be uh, uh, enjoying the presence of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. An ungrateful heart is fertile soil of many terrible sins. Aren't you glad Joseph said no because he was thankful for the purpose of God in his life? He was thankful for the privilege of being Potiphar's head servant. He was thankful. He was thankful that um, uh, he, he was content in God. Uh, take for the prodigal son. Look at Luke 15 real quick. Luke 15 verse 12. Luke 15 verse 12. I want to show you where the prodigal pig pen started. and Where the pig pen you, you can get in starts. In Luke chapter 15 and here it is. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that f falleth to me. And he divided them his living. He'd already had it, but he wasn't content with it. And he wanted it now. And his attitude was, give me. Give me. Now folks, this, this attitude of entitlement is dangerous. We live in a generation that's not used to suffering. They don't know what martyrism, they don't know what sacrifice for God is. In the old days, uh, men and ladies expected suffering. You talk about missionaries, great missionaries, their wives lost several babies. That was part of life back then. They suffered persecution and imprisonment. Uh, Judson went door to door with his starving baby to have the Burmanese nurse his baby as he bribed himself out of jail. Because he preached the gospel. We live in a generation that's not used to suffering. But we also live in a generation that has the attitude, give me. 
And they're entitled to whatever you give them. And if you don't give them enough, they get totally out of it and begin to pout. And I don't think you ought to tolerate it. I think you ought to remind them of their blessings. Folks, the title, the attitude of entitlement headed him to the far country and the pig pen of sin and the fantasy of, of fulfillment of corn husks that were empty. What is in the world is a Jewish boy doing in a pig pen? I'll tell you what it was. He said, give me. And then later on, after God reminded him of all his blessings, he said, my, my daddy's servants, my father's has bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger verse 17 I'll rise and go to my father and it, you know what his attitude changed completely and he saw the father had compassion on him and he said father I've sinned against thee and thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son and he said make me like a servant his whole attitude changed what got him out of the pig pen an attitude of gratitude an attitude of praise, an attitude of faith. Paul, shipwrecked, beat, stoned, uh, deserted by his own folks, scourged more than Jesus was scourged. 2 Corinthians 11, 23-37, read it sometimes. What kept Paul going? I'll tell you what kept Paul going. 57 times Paul used the word thanks or thankful in his writing. He said in Philippians 1.12, it's falling out for the furtherance of the gospel. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts. When your heart gets cold and ungrateful, you're headed down the road of disaster. And then last but not least, I believe the ministry of thankfulness freed Joseph. You can't bind the heart of a thankful man. Someone had interviewed Joseph, and they said, what kept you so faithful? I believe he might say, I just couldn't get over how good God was in spite of all that was done towards me. The world will not be able to bind you. Ruth was so thankful she had a little corner of the crop, the glean. It was a law that the corner edges of the property had to be left for the poor. And she went gleaning. But she was so thankful and so grateful that the servants noticed her, but somebody else noticed her. His name was Boaz. And I want to tell you something. Not only did he drop handfuls on purpose because he loved her, he asked her for lunch. And she accepted the date and sat at his table. And praise God, later on, he asked her to marry her. And praise God, after that, she went home and bit her, um, uh, Naomi, bitter uh, uh, mother-in-law, was touched by the blessings of God. She became pregnant, had a baby, and, and that baby had another baby. And the grand, her great-grandson was, who we're studying in Sunday school, David. And folks, the Bible lists her in the, genealogy of Jesus she was in the line of Jesus I believe it all started when she was in that little corner of that crop saying I'm thankful I'm thankful for grace I'm thankful for any blessing I can have and folks I want to tell you something she became a part of the lineage of Jesus God will multiply your blessings if you'll be thankful
I was listening to one of my favorite evangelists. I'm trying to get him to come this spring for our spring revival, Brother Dana Williams. He's a very profound preacher. Just just has thoughts that just just beyond anybody I've ever heard preach. And, and um, he was telling about this illustration at Brother Rick Gravely's church about two years ago, and it just I'll never forget it. He said he was going to preach his brother's funeral. His brother was a drunk. His nieces, uh, his brother's daughters were drug addicts up in West Virginia. He lives in Winnebe, Alabama. And he was making that trip. And matter of fact, Brother Williams' daughter adopted one of the daughters of his brother because she couldn't even take care of her own baby. Now, on the way to Virginia, he was praying all the way to the funeral. And, he, and God said, hey, listen, don't preach darkness. That's all they've lived in. Preach light. And don't preach on death. Preach on life because they've been living in death all their life. And when he got there, the family had already given orders of service. And that's always dangerous. And I'm going to set a policy that I look at the song list before I preach another funeral. I'll tell you that. And we got there, the family had already given out the orders to the undertaker. When he got there, they picked out two songs. One was Amazing Grace by Elvis Presley. No comment? Okay. And the other one was a notorious drunk named George Jones. He found out that George Jones was going to sing at the funeral he was about to preach at. And he said, I'd give $1,000 if old George Jones wouldn't preach at this funeral, he said. He said it twice in his illustration. And he thought, uh, this is going to be another one of those whining tunes, you know, those country artists always sing. My woman is going to leave me with another. Could be your brother. Whine, you know. Just you know, one of those whining songs. He was a drunk. And uh, he couldn't see that uh, he was going to get his wish for George not to sing, so he gave in to it. And he still said he had paid $1,000 for old George not to sing. But he said they're going to, let, they're going to determine that George is going to sing. So he said, well, let George sing first. So they piped up the tape, and George Jones was a drunk all his life. Girls were drug addicts, and George Jones wrote a song right before he died entitled Choices. It was a life testimony of all the bad choices he made. I'm not sure he got saved. I'm not going to say he was. I'm sure not going to recommend you listen to the song, or I'd give you the lyrics. But old George sang, he said, he said, I'd give $1,000 if he wasn't singing at that funeral. He said, what can George Jones add to my funeral message? And old George Jones wrote a song called Choices. It was a testimony of the miserable life that he'd lived out of God's will as a drunk. And he said that during those songs, those lyrics spoke to everybody, spoke to his heart. He just sat there and cried like a baby on the platform and what he wanted to preach in that song God used George Jones to get across a message you better make a choice so he got up and he preached and he preached with power and he lifted up Jesus and many of his relatives got saved on that service not because of George Jones but because of the word of God say amen I ain't never seen anything come, come out of country music worth having amen except Divorce and adultery and whining and winos and drinking and drugs. 
I wouldn't promote any of it. I know uh, one time a <clears throat> couple had a double date. and They went to, went to a country star artist out of our church. And I won't tell you the, the detriment that came out of that concert and what happened after that concert. But don't you think I'm endorsing country music for a second. What you need to do is go to revivals together and pray together. Listen to God-honoring music. But God used that, and on the way home, this is what Dana Williams said. As he was traveling back to Winnevee, Alabama, he said this. He said, if I can thank God for George Jones singing at my brother's funeral, I think I can thank God for everything. <laughs> and remember, he laughed when he said that. I'm saying, folks, when you've got a heart of praise and a heart of thanksgiving, God will use you. And God will bless through you. And I think what we ought to have most of all is husbands, I believe you ought to nourish and cherish your wife as the Lord nourishes and cherishes us. And I want to end this family series of saying this. Please, please, don't take for granted your mate. Love them cherish them, honor them. This passage says you ought to love them like your own body because Christ is the head of the body and he loves us. And we ought to love our wives as part of us, men, and cherish her and nourish her and appreciate her. And vice versa, we ought to appreciate our man. I know he ain't much and he sure ain't much to look at. Praise God, if he's a man of God, you ought to respect him. And I believe that with that spirit of thanksgiving, there'll be an attitude of gratitude that'll put a hedge around your family. And there'll be a sweet fragrance of worship to God. Thanksgiving, but rather giving of thanks giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For no man yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. I'm thankful for my family. But I'm aware that I could blow it all by taking this precious, precious wife for granted taking my precious children for granted and not being the man of God that God's called me to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you that with each borrowed breath you give, we should worship you. Every hour is a gift. Every day is a blessing from God. During the best times and worst times, our life is just a borrowed breath. Every heartbeat's a gift. And God, we appreciate and thank you. Thank you for all your blessings. And especially the blessing of our families. God, help us to nourish and cherish. Help us, God, to not have other priorities that would get in the way and Help us definitely not to be 
ungrateful and unthankful and take each other for granted. God, please, would you give us a spirit of kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, but God, would you tonight in this series on the family with challenging us from our heart to have a spirit of thanksgiving towards our family. And we'll praise you for that fruit of the Spirit of giving thanks always for our family.